it's always good as a job searcher to be purposeful, even in times when you cannot be picky. Being purposeful when you're looking for a job, even if sometimes you cannot be super picky, but that is what we are going to be talking about today with my guest speaker. Her name is Eva Offermans. Eva is an entrepreneur and a talent expert. She's living in New York City. She's originally from Europe, from the Netherlands more specifically. And she's been a globetrotter like many of my guest speakers. She's lived in Antwerp, Barcelona, Lausanne, Krakow before coming to the US in 2016. So Eva's expertise is really in the area of talent acquisition. She's seen it all from agency recruiter to more than a decade experience in in-house talent acquisition roles across numerous industries. And, and then in 2020, she decided to set up her own company, her own agency called Placement on Purpose, based in New York. And I really thought that title, when I caught up with Eva after so many years, was very telling in terms of, I also think, what people are looking for and also what companies are looking for. Purposeful placements, even in choppy markets, like the market we are witnessing at the moment. So with no further ado, let's tune into the conversation with Eva. Hi, welcome to the World of Work podcast, to, to the WOW. We actually go back many, 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 many years. Let's not say how many, but... Exactly. Let's not uh, date ourselves. But uh, yeah, it's so nice to uh, to be talking to you again. <laughs> exactly. And, and your uh, professional journey has taken so many different twists and turns. And, and I would say when we reconnected a couple of months ago... Um, first of all, via LinkedIn, and then, you know, we we, we had a quick uh, chat. Uh, the name of your company is what inspired me to call as well this chat and this conversation, because I actually think it's very uh, relevant for the times we're living in and the world of work, the way we see it today. And it's called Placement on Purpose. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that Placement on Purpose. How did it come to be? What is it about? What would what, what led you to that? To that name. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I have been in the world of recruiting talent acquisition for over a decade uh, by the time I started my own uh, business. Uh, so I'd worked in different countries, in different all different types of contexts, agency, corporate, different industries, different geographies. But sort of the common theme that I was seeing and I was painting me to, to see and experience each time was that recruiting is really viewed as a transactional function uh, mm -hmm. and um, not strategic and also executed as, as transactional. Um, so in, in, in most cases, so people would, recruiters would look at keywords on a resume and see if they match their job description, right? So very sort of transactional. And in my experience and from, from my view, it's not transactional at all. Uh, if you want to do it well, it changes people's lives, right? Uh, matching mm -hmm. individuals with meaningful careers to them is life-changing. And also, uh, it's very important for companies to hire the right talent, not just based on a resume, not just based on keywords, but really on a whole human being and make sure that the values of that human being are aligned with the mission of the company and that they believe in what they're doing and that they would thrive in their environment. And it's so much more than, than just those, those words. So the on purpose comes from on one side, it means intentional, right? So it's much mm -hmm. more intentional and holistic 
uh, than transactional. And on the other hand, it also stands for, for me um, that I work with businesses that are to some extent mission-driven, purpose-driven. So I like to work with businesses who are trying to make the world a better place in, in, in their own way. Um, and um, therefore, because I believe in what they're doing, I can also be a much better recruiter for them uh, mm -hmm. because I can really act as a true ambassador out there for them, act as an extension of their talent acquisition team because I believe in what they do. So the whole thing is just on purpose. <laughs> on purpose. Yeah. And there's so many, there are so many things you actually touch upon in, in, in what you just said. Um, just trying to unpack that a second. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I, I heard you say, which I think is really, really relevant, especially in the world we live in today of made of algorithms, you know, made of, of LinkedIn keywords or keyword search mechanisms that also a lot of recruiters use or headhunters use. And, and, and so you touched upon that and then actually how it's much more than that, right? It's mm -hmm. more than just matching keywords like you know, marketing professional, regulatory affairs professional, looking at the experience and what are the keywords that may come out of that and then out comes, you know, your top applicants for mm -hmm. it. Um, so, so that's something I heard you say. And then, of course, the whole purposefulness of and how important it is to place people in the right jobs and the right cultures and the right companies. But on the first point, which is um, the, the previous episodes, we touched a little bit with my previous guests on like digital and digital platforms also used in companies and how they're actually empowering people to have greater access to career opportunities, et cetera. But I really question the algorithms behind it. Like, mm -hmm. okay, so what are we, these keywords, what are we really matching and, and mapping? Is it, you know, transactional qualifications? What's your view on that basically mm -hmm. on these? Keywords I'm, algorithm I'm big, matching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, definitely. I'm a big um, believer in technology. I think technology can help us do our jobs more efficiently. And um, to some extent, they, they make us better. Uh, so um, th that's a good thing. But the other thing is recruiting, in my opinion, can never be done without the human touch as well. So mm -hmm. it will always have to be done by humans who use the technology. I don't think AI could completely take over humans in this in this field, which is a hopeful message for all the recruiters out there. Uh, because yeah, I use tools, I use algorithms, you know, and it makes sense if I look for VP regulatory affairs to type that into, for example, LinkedIn search and and find all the people who already have that title or have regulatory affairs in their profiles, right? So that, that just makes sense. That helps me. That helps me narrow down the pool. And then I start bringing in my own um, assessment uh, when I start talking to people. And then that part to me is crucial, having real conversations with people. Mm -hmm. uh, and even if, you know, recruiting is, is built, especially agency recruiting, on efficiency and on making money in the short term. So, um, because because yeah. recruiters are paid based on fees, right? So, what what happens a lot is that recruiters only want to talk to people that are relevant for the particular job they have open right now because that could make them money in the short term. And if that person misses something in their profile, they move on really quickly because they they have to hurry up. Um, otherwise, they, they see it as a waste of time because it loses them money in the short term. Now, my approach is very different. Uh, I think it's very important to always 
keep talking to relevant people in general relevant people means talented people means basically everyone of course technology helps you to narrow down a pool to start from and then you start talking to people and see what are their goals what are their dreams what are their competencies um what maybe they want to switch careers right and and maybe they they um they want to if i would look only on an industry that they've worked on i might miss out on people who could perform just as well in another industry and are actually looking to make that switch and by me not narrowing down too much and being always open to having the conversation with people even maybe if it's not in the short term immediately making me money um mm -hmm. i try to keep an open mind and network and talk to people as much as possible so that later on i could then be more efficient um if if i um if i have a job that that people could be matched to so i think um I'm a bit all over the place here but i think technology is a good thing can never fully replace the human touch and um, the human touch uh, is really talking to people really listening to people um, not just about what they've done in the past two years and what are their biggest achievements important questions but also having the patience to listen to their, their whole story and what's behind that to be able then to match them more appropriately and better uh, with with an organization that that they're aligned with and that they would be best performing in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's then, you know, like one side of the equation. There's your job in terms of um, first uh, well, fulfilling the assignment, I guess, you know, finding the right people for, for the companies at a moment in time, etc. And then it's maintaining that relationship with you know your your candidates more mm -hmm. like in a coaching capacity and by the way i do strongly 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 believe that a lot of recruiters are missing on so many um human opportunities in terms Absolutely. of how they can even wear a coaching hat and really support candidates and understanding that you know just because they may have the right skills right qualifications but if their energy is not in it it's not behind it Mm -hmm. you know how how do they pivot career anyway that's that's um a, a thought to the side but i do think there's a lot of connecting points between you know recruiters talent acquisition folks and and how you can be a career counselor and, and coach mm -hmm. too um but but the other component is once you do find these folks and imagine you find somebody who's got a different sec a different experience in a different sector um and you really believe in this person and you you you, you propose them to your your clients but our paradigms are so fixated on no, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. If this person does not have minimum, I don't know, X years of experience in Absolutely. healthcare or in pharma, it's just not going to work. Even if they're adjacent type of mm -hmm. roles, functions, or sectors, it's not going to work. So, how do you, first of all, did you encounter that? Do you encounter that? Yes. Your, you know, <laughs> a lot, a lot. Yes. and how do you how do you help change and how how do we help change a little bit this paradigm? Yes. That's definitely that's definitely one of the reasons that I started my own company because I encountered that a lot. I see see that a lot in everywhere I work. So agency is is different from corporate because agency is even more focused on KPIs and, and making the money and uh, so, so that's even a bit more um, challenging to, to change that, right? Because the whole business model is based on um, quick. And if you don't this month 
meet your KPIs, then we may have to let you go. That's pretty sort of commercial uh, cutthroat environment. So, so it's nice to say to those people, yeah, you should be coaching and you should spending your time talking to people who are also not right for this this role, but but then they might lose their job. So that that, that whole uh, business right. model is based on that. So that's challenging. But then into um, in inside of organizations, uh, it does happen as well. And I I've had roles of junior recruiter to head of talent acquisition, and in, 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 at the end of my corporate career. And so I was really trying to influence senior leaders. Um, and it's not so easy because people like to say, um, I like someone who can hit the ground running, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And they know that they can give someone a chance who maybe doesn't have the exact in, uh, industry experience and the exact job experience, but it would take more training and more time and time is money, right? Mm -hmm. So of course, everyone would prefer someone who can hit the ground running, someone who has done exactly the same somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so I, I have always tried to influence uh, because someone having done exactly what they need to be done is not a guarantee for success at all. Um, actually, there's been quite some research on that, that there needs to be a job stretch mm -hmm. of at least sort of 30% for someone to step into a new role for them to be performing at their best. So the job needs to be more challenging. The, the job needs to have different components for someone to be really thriving. Uh, because if someone has done exactly the same job in another company, but in the same industry, they're not going to be that, that no. great. No. Um, because they might be bored or they they might be not not that passionate anymore. I'm generalizing, but but mm -hmm. that's that's what the research says that there needs to be that job stretch. So what I've always um, advised senior leaders is to to open their minds. That in general, I think is a good is a good tip also for diversity, right? And not not assume. Some people pat themselves on the back to say. You know, I only have to talk for two minutes to someone to know whether they are fit or not. I don't think that's a good thing at all. I think <laughs> I think that means you're biased. We all are biased, right? Yeah. So um, if someone walks like you and talks like you, you might think, wow, we have a great connection here. This person is great, culture fit, let's invite them in. That That is very biased and it works against diversity and it works against eventually success of an organization because we mm -hmm. all know that diverse teams with people coming from big different backgrounds with diversity of thought um, that that helps an organization being more successful. So um, and more yeah. creative and more and, and you know, just I mean, I think it's really about uh, in, in today's world of work, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so it's it's uh, I like as I like to say, it's less about fitting in more about figuring it out. And sometimes you need to figure it out through a diverse panel of individuals who think different or who may have a different experience. Uh, so it's it's also, yeah, for the success of the business, but also for, you know, nowadays it's not about following a playbook anymore. Well, it never really was, but um, less so, even less so today. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, having people come, I, I think it's always about figuring out what's the percentage that's really required Let's yes. say you were saying 30% stretch for the candidate, so to speak, to make it really motivating, to make that person like really, really engaged, you know, in, um, in performing at their best because they have something still to prove. They've got that maybe 30% to prove. 
And perhaps on the company side, it's also to say, well, what percentage is absolutely critical? That 50%, you know, the core that yes, has to absolutely. be there. And then the and remaining, that's exactly you know. one, one of the key questions that I would ask hiring leaders in, in the brief um, would be, what are your must-haves and what are your nice-to-haves? Because a lot of uh, leaders, uh, again, because they see it as something that just needs to be done, transactional, they would just provide a job description to a recruiting team, sometimes even without talking to them, like busy, busy, we can't meet. So here's the job description. And the job description often is like a super outdated document of 10 years ago or 20 years ago when that person came into the job and now they're retiring. Very true. And the world has changed, the needs have changed, the organization has changed. So, so, and then a recruiter just has that outdated document and can only look for resumes with the same words in there as, as uh, for, for matching, matching keywords. And that, that is a really bad way of recruiting. So I would advise all recruiters to, to really make sure you have that meeting that, that, and, and convince leaders that you can do a much better job if you have a proper briefing meeting at the start of a search because that in the end is going to save them so much time 30 minutes it's going to save them so much time in the end so because then you you don't need the different initiations of of searches because they they start on basis of limited or wrong information they sent a short list after like maybe two three weeks and then it's completely wrong and they need to start over so so if you spend that 30 minutes and make sure you ask the right questions to the leader and 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 one of the favorite ones that I would always ask that that you just um, refer to as well as what are your must haves versus your nice tabs, because I do understand that certain experience is required if you need a software engineer to code in a certain language. You know that might be something that you cannot learn teach them on the job that would take way too much time that needs to you know that needs to be there, but then there's a lot of jobs where. Um, a lot of transferable skills could work. Mm -hmm. And you don't need the exact degree or you don't need the exact Ivy League school that some people are hung up on, for example, here in the States, right? Um, or and, and that is just sort of bias that 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 would be required. Uh, sorry, I'm um so so the must-have versus the nice to haves uh, is an important question. Um, and then and then try to try to have people open their minds on on what what could be transferable skills and if they say yeah we need the same industry challenge that and I think the issue with it that often um, recruiters and organizations are um, junior so mm -hmm. uh, they're not by senior yeah. leaders they're not viewed as real influencers yeah. or, or right and also often they're understaffed I've seen I've left teams where recruiters were carrying like 40 50 racks um, and, and because it's just seen as oh yeah they can post post and pray we would say just see what comes in and and so there's there's no strategic <laughs> thinking behind it there's no because if you carry dozens of racks at the same time you cannot put a lot of effort to to go out there and and source and be creative um, there's a lot of issues there also how organizations are designed i think recruiters should be more senior because again i think it's a strategic function and a talent acquisition is essential for the success of the business and then senior leaders should work closer with those recruiters and um, not just send them over a job description at the moment that the job is open and and just assume oh we, we're going to need exactly the same but have those conversations early on like in the beginning of the year what does our workforce planning look like do we have succession uh, right for critical roles 
what are the new roles coming up? Because what you were just referring to that more than ever, it's important that people, um, that we do, don't just recruit for what we've always done, but the world is changing so fast that there, there are roles now that didn't exist before, right? Mm -hmm. uh, technology is replacing a lot, jobs become more strategic. Um, so what we need more than ever for, uh, is people who are learning agile, who can do different things, who have transferable skill sets and who have that learning agility over a certain skill because skills can become redundant very quickly. Well, technology. they will, they will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, our food uh, lasts longer than our skills. Yeah. <laughs> the shelf so, life of our, of our food is longer than our shelf life of our skill sets. <laughs> absolutely. And degrees become less important too because anyone can teach themselves anything on the internet, on YouTube, on, uh, right? So, so all those traditional recruiting methods and, and being hung up on certain degrees, on certain experiences, uh, certain skills, is is becoming less and less relevant so mm -hmm. we need to make that shift to be more open-minded and assess competencies over skills competencies like learning agility coachability uh yeah. Yeah. leadership emotional intelligence uh, those things are, are are very important and dexterity you know dexterity of people which is you know their ability to to pivot to change it's it's, it's a lot of mindset too like transformation you know, what, yes what kind of mindset are people um bringing on board but yeah that we could do a whole podcast on talent acquisition because i also have my strong views on i'm sure on the role of talent acquisition in companies and and uh yeah we, we could we could debate that uh for a long time because i would also include unfortunately talent acquisition people in talent acquisition only see themselves as talent acquisition people and that mm. means often they don't get into the the nuts and bolts of the business what is it mm -hmm. really about also because the HR model people model still has a little bit this thing of the business partnerships talent management talent acquisition anyway there, there, there are lots of reasons why you know we're still packaged within you know these kind of sub functions and and it, it doesn't bit benefit many um many people um, but therefore going back to uh, you know how you initially talked about the placement on purpose and uh, uh this fact you know we we were talking about the the algorithms the placing based on of course certain must-haves that people need to have to show and versus the nice-to-haves but then the the other component you were saying you know about this placing people on purpose or having some sort of alignment between values and what the company and the employer offers and what the people are actually looking for, et cetera. Mm -hmm. How, and especially I would be very curious about, you know, what you've seen in these past three years. Mm -hmm. How relevant has that conversation really become? And I, and I just want to contextualize it a little bit better because we're moving away from, you know, this candidate-driven market, so they said, um, you know, the great resignation, you know, people kind of like want to do something else. And the market was full of opportunities and therefore it was a candidate driven market too. I saw in the beginning of this year, like the quiet hiring, no, not a lot of hiring, it's all bit. Mm -hmm. Two, I would say not the not so quiet firing, which is going on in the Googles and the Facebooks. And yeah, not quiet. Be <laughs> in Switzerland, so the whole Credit Suisse, UBS. So there's a lot, uh, there are a lot of people in the market. Yeah. So. If we go back to to this thing about 
you know, the purpose-led uh, kind of um, placement and, and folks looking as well for purpose that goes beyond just the job. How, what's your take on that? But I'm not so worried about it because, you know, I think it's just the up and flow of the market. And I think recruiting in the end is always going to be needed. Like I said, I don't think it will ever be taken over by AI completely because it's such a human function. So, but the market ups and flows and, and um, so that's definitely, that's definitely true. And, you know, it's, dif it's difficult to talk to people who need a job mm -hmm. and who might not be able to pay their rent in two months to say, let's sit back and talk about yeah. your life purpose. Yeah. Uh, because now they might just be in a position of, you know, let me take a job, I take a contract. Absolutely. And that is fine. And I think you need to not be toned up about that. And, and, and overall, I think for everyone, it's good to be targeted and to be selective. Because even it, when times are tough, I personally don't think that it makes sense to apply to hundreds of jobs uh, a month. I think it's still important and even more important to be targeted in what you want. And then instead of just applying, because the online applications are very demoralizing for people, it ends up in a black mm. hole, they often don't hear back. I literally see job postings out there that after a week have 2000 plus applications here in the US. Um, it's crazy. So then wow. you see, oh, if you so if you apply, you see you're one of 2000. Let's see how you compare. That's very demoralizing for people. Um, so so if that's the situation, um, I understand that you cannot be too picky, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be targeted. So I would still advise people to really for themselves narrow down what what they want to do and where they would be at their best based on their skills based on their experience based on um, what they what they bring to the table and and then uh, instead of just applying online and end up in that black hole make sure you connect with leaders in the field of your interests leaders uh, and and i i mean it's not going to be easy still because lots of people are busy and it's not as if you if you message leaders directly that you will always get an answer that you will get a job immediately absolutely not but um it, it does increase your chances so i think it's always good as a job searcher to be purposeful even in times when you cannot be picky so here we are at the end of part one of this wonderful conversation with eva all about being purposeful in your job search even when the market is choppy even when it's difficult but the markets that's what they are they they go up they go down but you cannot you cannot plan your whole professional career on market dynamics only so how to make sure you build purposeful careers purposeful professional journeys i think that's really what the name of the game is all about anyway that's all for now, so make sure you tune in to part two, which will be coming out soon. Until the next time, as always, take good care.